is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. So at least I didn't offend the people at the back with iPads and all that. Right, good morning, welcome. Uh, as I said, I'm Matt, and I am preaching this morning, which is why I'm here. I don't know if many of you remember back in the good old days of Stonely. All the, all the speakers used to get on the stage and do a book recommendation, didn't they? Do you remember those days? You're standing on. I read this book, it was great. So I'm going to do the same. I'm going to recommend a book to you. In fact, I'm going to recommend two books to you. One to the men and one to the women. For men, the book is called For Men Only. And basically what it does, it helps you understand how women think. See, you're so... And for women, there is a book called For Women Only which helps you understand how men think. You see... Oh, you see? I can see you all need to read it. Because you're all such stereotypical men and women. Dear, oh dear. But guys, read them. They're great. Um, And if you want to understand your wife or your husband a little bit better, um, they were great. I borrowed mine from my brother. So uh, you're going to have to buy your own if you want to read it. (laughs) Or find someone who's already got one. But uh, they're available on Amazon. Um, So if you've got an iPad, I'm sure you could buy it right now if you really wanted to. (laughs) Okay, uh, we're going to Burton. Hey! So uh, I'd like you to introduce you to the Burton clan. Here we are. This is us. Um, If you feel God calling you to join us, then please come talk to me afterwards. Uh, We are nearly there. We are about this close. Um, We have a buyer for our house. We have had an offer accepted on another house. On Tuesday, we signed for the mortgage. Um, And then, probably a few weeks after that, we're going to move. Hooray, indeed. So, I'd appreciate your prayers for Tuesday. Um, It has been a roller coaster. The devil keeps putting in mountains in front of us, but God carries them over, each and every one of them. Uh, It's been a real story of God's faithfulness to us. So, thank you for your prayers. Please keep going. Uh, And we will soon be there. Starting a life group in Burton. Uh, Women's Day. Can I just encourage you? If God has blessed you financially, um, why don't you invite somebody and pay for them to go? It's going to be a great day. And I'm sure there are some people here who for £14 might be quite a lot for a day. So if God has blessed you financially, can I encourage you to think, yeah, I'm going to buy two tickets and I'm going to invite somebody to come with me because it's going to be a really good day. I wasn't at the last one. I've never been to one. Uh, and I'm not sure why. I might figure it out one day. But yeah, can I encourage you to do that? Fantastic. Okay, uh, we're carrying on in Luke. Yes. Thank you. Ah, oh, yes. We are carrying on in Luke. Um, and I have Luke chapter 5 because Graham hasn't quite finished Luke chapter 4 and wanted the rest of it himself. So I very kindly, generously said I would skip on to Luke chapter 5. So we're looking at the first eight verses of Luke chapter 5. So you can either tap it into your iPad or you can flick the pages of your Bible. 
and we will start reading at verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, or the Sea of Galilee, whichever you want to say, with the people crowding round him and listening to him, listening to the word of God, he saw the waters... He saw why I didn't do this to start with. I have it typed out in big print. <laughs> and I was trying to read it from my Bible. And I, no. Right, let's start again. Big print for an old man. One day Jesus was standing by the lake of, I still can't say that, Genesaret. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let the nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch that they had taken. And so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Lord, I just want to pray this morning that I would be able to communicate what you've put on my heart. Lord, and that yeah, you just speak clearly to this church, Lord, through this passage this morning. Amen. Okay. I want to look at four things from this passage this morning. So if you if you want to is it would anybody like a title for their notes? Yeah, would you like one? That's a good answer. My title for this morning is From the Mundane to the Miraculous, open brackets, going deeper with God, close brackets. I was so happy with that. I really was. I thought I might just stop there. I was thinking, that is a good title for a preach. And then there was more. I couldn't believe it. I thought, wow, God is good. So the four things I want to look at this morning. Firstly, the importance of everyday life. Secondly, the tools for the job. Third, the call to deep water. And number four, the result of a miracle. So they're the four things we're going to look at. So you should know whereabouts we are and how long I've got to go. So firstly, the importance of everyday life. In the passage, we find Jesus teaching. And it says he was surrounded by lots of people. They were probably pushing, crowding around him. I guess there was lots of noise, as there generally is with a big crowd. But this was a daily occurrence for Jesus. He taught daily. This is what his ministry was, going around to towns and villages, speaking to the people, teaching them. But we notice Jesus stepped back from those crowding around him. He took a step back and he sat down and began to teach. In the midst of everything, he was calm. In the melee, he took time out to make the right choice. Now, he had to move back into the sea 
and I'm reliably informed by the internet that this is right because people have done studies on it that the acoustics were a lot better just away from the shore so that everybody would have been able to hear so he did it for a reason he stepped back so that everybody could hear and that no one would miss out so I just want to ask you how do you react to pressure maybe you're one of those people who thrive on it and that's great if you don't, if you struggle a little bit with pressure, then why not take a leaf out of Jesus' book? Jesus' choice to stop, take a step back, meant that nobody missed out. So we find Simon as well doing his everyday thing. Simon had been fishing. He had been fishing because he was a fisherman. And that is what fishermen do. And now he was cleaning his nets. To continue fishing, he had to clean his nets. And he had to mend his nets because they were his livelihood. So another question for you this morning. Do you look after yourself? Do you look after your family and friends? Because one day they may be all you have. Do you take regular time out to check out your nets, to check out your life? You see, fishing nets have holes in them. They have holes in them so that they don't absorb all the water as they go through the nets. But they also have holes in them so things that they don't want can slip through. A fisherman does not want a Coke can. And they don't want little tiny fish either. So the, net, the holes in the nets enable stuff to flow through that the fisherman doesn't want. And the same applies to us, doesn't it? We can't take on everything that comes our way. So do you check out what you're doing? When was the last time you stood back and said, what am I doing right now? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I doing too much? Am I doing too little? How is it affecting my life? How is it affecting my family? Take time to check your nets. Because if you don't, your nets can become like a sponge. And what happens with the sponge? It just absorbs everything. And when a sponge absorbs everything, it gets to a point where it can't absorb it anymore. And it can't do its job. It's weighed down. And it can't cope with what it's supposed to do. So there'll be some of you here this morning that need to learn to say no. Because if you can't look after yourself, if you can't look after your family, then you're doing too much. There are, of course, as with everything in life, the other people who need to take up something. So which camp are you in? Do you need to say, look, no, I can't do all of this? Or do you need to say, well, I'm actually not doing very much at all. I've got time, I've got energy, I've got whatever, I can do more. So for Simon, cleaning his nets was a daily task. And the things that we do on a daily basis count, they make a difference. Our personal walk with God counts. Now I don't know about you, but whenever a preacher used to get up and start talking about daily devotionals, your walk with God... I used to feel rather guilty 
because daily devotionals, walking with God, wasn't so much for me a daily devotional. Possibly a weekly, but more likely a fortnightly devotional. Graham's not listening right now. I can see he's tapping away. Even while I was an elder, I struggled with daily devotionals. And you might say, well, how can you do that? You're an elder. Well, I did. That was the fact. My daily devotional was probably weekly or fortnightly. And that was the way it was. Until I realised that what people, some of you may call it a quiet time, probably includes praying, reading the Bible, until I realised it was for my benefit and then things changed. Because I used to think that God expected it of me. I used to think I had to do it out of obligation to God. But I was wrong, because he expects nothing in return for his love. If you are trying to earn God's love here this morning, you're not going to get anywhere. God's love is never earned. It is freely given, and it is unconditional. And you know what? He doesn't need me to spend hours in prayer to be God or for him to love me. Because he is God and he always will be. The amount of time that I spend praying or reading my Bible makes no difference to that. It also makes no difference to how much he loves me. Because he does love me. He loves me just as much as God can. And he always will do. So God does not demand a quiet time from us. There are no set of rules. If you look through the New Testament, there are no set of rules which dictates how much, how often, what you're supposed to do. But the one thing he does know is that it is the best for us. And that is what I had to grasp hold of. It is the best for us. So he will encourage, not demand us to do it. There's no law that states we must. We are, after all, under grace. We're not to feel guilty. Because guilt was nailed to the cross with Jesus. Romans 8 verse 1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And once I grasped that, that this whole thing was for me, for my benefit, and there was something in it for me, I then began to understand the importance of it. And now it's a lot easier because we are selfish people. And in everything, we like something to be there for us. So while I was thinking this was all for God, this was all for God, da 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 da, it was hard work. As soon as I realised, no, this is for me. This is for my benefit. This does me good. That was when... I felt an amazing liberation. And my walk with God is now a lot better than it was when I was an elder, when I was a life group leader, all those things. I've just known God's grace. Okay, that was number one. The importance of everyday life. What you do on a daily basis counts. Do not discount it. It is important. Okay, the second point. Uh, the tools for the job. We notice in the, um, 
in the passage that Jesus said to Simon to go out and fish again. Now Jesus knew there was going to be a great catch. Jesus knew that because he knew what was coming. What he didn't do was say to Simon, go out and fish again. You are going to have far too much for your boat, so here's a bigger boat for you to take with you. Here are bigger, stronger nets for you to take because you've got too much now. Simon had to go out in exactly the same boat, on exactly the same sea, with exactly the same people. There was no extras Jesus gave him. All Jesus gave him was the command to go. The difference with the second fishing trip was Jesus, the fact that Jesus had called him to go. Have you noticed in the Bible that Jesus uses what is at hand? We have a story of the feeding of the 5,000 where he uses five loaves and two fish. He heals a man of blindness with just the spit from his mouth and the mud from the floor. And the same is true today. God will use the gifts and talents that you have now. So what is in your hands to give? Maybe you have time to give. Maybe you're retired and you have plenty of time. Maybe God has blessed you financially and you have money to be able to give with. Maybe you have years of experience that God wants you to use. Because if you want to be used by God, you don't wait for him to give you something else. God will use you where you are with what you have, with the gifts and talents he's already given you. So what has God given you a talent for? Simon was a good fisherman, so he fished. What are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? What can you do for the glory of God? But it's also important to remember that Jesus didn't see the amount of time or the amount of money someone gave, but the heart behind it. You'll know the story of the widow's offering. It says Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few pence. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, the poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything all she had to live on. You may feel this morning you haven't got much to give. I encourage you to give what you have and God will multiply it. Do not discount yourself this morning. Do not look endlessly at others as to what they have. God has made you and given you the skills, the experiences and the talents that only you need. He can use you where you are and with the skills that you already have. So maybe God is asking you to try something again. Simon had to go and fish again. The same place, the same boat, the same sea, the same people. Maybe you're looking for something different until you obey him. Well, can I encourage you? Trust God, obey him, and you will see a great catch. The task may be the same, the tools may be the same. But the outcome will be different when God calls you.
Okay, thirdly, the call to deep water. In the story, we see teaching in the shallows and fishing in the deep. Jesus taught in the shallows, in the safe place, and then tested Simon's faith out in deep water. And for us, I think, we tend to stick to the shallows, to the safe places. Why? Because there's danger out there in the deep, isn't there? We've been brought up in a society that says risk is bad. Stay away from dangerous things. We are risk averse. We like to play it safe. We like to be in a place where if things go wrong, we can rescue ourselves. But we need to try and lose that. Sometimes in life, you have to take a risk. Helen Keller says this, security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. Robert F. Kennedy said, only those who dare to fail greatly will ever achieve greatly. And T.S. Eliot, only those who risk going too far can possibly find out how far they can go. Now I was, as you do when you're preparing a preach, generally drawn to the internet (laughs) because your mind wanders. But I thought, no, I'll have a look. I'll see what's out there about the dangers of deep water because that's what I was thinking of at the time. And I found this question on a, um, on a forum. And this lad had asked this. What I don't understand is if you can swim, why does it matter how deep the water is? You will still drown in 10 foot of water if you run into trouble. So what does 30, 40, 50 foot depth matter? And the answer came back like this. With a 10 foot depth, you could at least sink to the bottom and then propel yourself upward off the bottom again. So in 10 foot, there is a safety net. And I believe as a church, now is the time to move into the deep. To get away from that place where there's a safety net. To get to a place where we're going to have to trust in God. Now, we've dipped our toe into things like prophecy, words of knowledge, and healing. But, as a general rule on a Sunday, and apart from this morning, which was very encouraging for me, we tend to fall back on tongues, don't we? I think our staple thing on a Sunday morning in worship is tongues and interpretations, which are great. There is nothing wrong with a good tongue and a good interpretation. But let's read what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. 
So my question is where is the prophetic word that cuts like a knife and unlocks the secrets of a heart? Where is the, where is the vivid picture that unlocks the situation? Now, tongues are a gift from God and they're great. But they are, in a way, the shallows, aren't they? And I will explain what I mean. If I spoke to you in a tongue, would you know if I'd got it wrong? Unless you understood the language I was speaking, I would say no. Because nobody knows what you're saying. The same applies to interpretation. It is what it says. An interpretation is not a word for word. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Translation. It is an interpretation. So if it is slightly askew, nobody knows. That is fairly safe. It takes courage to bring a tongue. But in essence, it's fairly safe. There is a safety net for you. So what I feel God wants us to do is he's calling us into deep water. I want to encourage you, yes, speak in tongues. Do it lots. See if you can beat Paul. He reckons he did it more than any of us. But don't do it to the detriment of a prophecy or of a picture. Because if we stay in the shallows... We're in a place where we can help ourselves. Remember the answer. With a ten foot depth, you can at least sink to the bottom and propel yourself up off the bottom again. Now, God does not want us to be able to propel ourselves up off the bottom. He wants us to trust in him. He wants us as a church to go out of our depth, to be in deep water, to be relying on him and him alone, and not our own ability to push ourselves off the bottom. And I said it was great this morning to hear prophetic words, to hear pictures. It's great to have Rob here this morning with his dodgy knee because it gives us a chance to pray for the sick if he can make it down the stairs. If not, we will go to him. But those things are risky because when you pray for somebody who's sick and they don't get healed, what happens? There's no hiding the fact, is there? If we pray for Rob later and he doesn't get healed, unless he's a very good actor and he's on very strong painkillers, I doubt he'll be able to walk out on his crutches. So there's a risk attached to it. But let's do it, shall we? Let's do it because we want to see the results of miracles in our church, don't we? So what is the, what is the result of a miracle? Do you see how I tied that in? They'll make a preacher out of me, yeah. So what is the result of a miracle? What can we expect to see when we step out into the deep? Well, firstly, as we see in the story, a miracle reveals God. God is holy and his holiness shines a bright light on sin. See in verse 8, Simon knew he was a sinner. And when God... We were talking about God's kingdom this morning. When God's kingdom comes, people are healed, people are set free, we have words and pictures, sin will be revealed. 
God will put his finger on things in our lives and we will need to deal with it. We'll need to cut it off at the root. So can I encourage you, if there is sin in your life, confide in somebody. Confess it. Because the devil thrives on secrets. Now, I'm going to go to this. In the morning, uh, me and Lou uh, read the word for the day by UCB. And yesterday's and today's is all about the need to be accountable. And it says this from yesterday. You're never more vulnerable than when you can hide from others. Secrecy is the ideal breeding ground for deception, leading us into sin. Jesus points out that we love darkness rather than light because our deeds naturally gravitate towards evil. There is within us a propensity to sin. So we are called to walk in the light where our motives and actions are transparent and we are encouraged to avoid sin. But to walk in the light and overcome sin requires people who will hold us accountable. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. That's Proverbs 12:15. Our need for approval makes us want to hide our struggles, but our willingness to be genuine frees us to acknowledge our struggles and overcome them. But the person to whom you are accountable should be mature. Know God's word, keep your confidence and love enough to be honest with you. And you need to be open to hear from what they tell you. King Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men, instead asking the opinion of young men who had grown up with him. 1 Kings 12 verse 8 if you want a verse for that. He wanted to hear only what pleased him, so he turned to his equally immature friends who told him that he want, what he wanted to hear, leading him to a decision that caused a major rebellion in Israel. Okay, so what do I want to say about that? Well, let's not keep sin a secret. If you are married, do not keep sin a secret from your husband or your wife. If you want someone to talk to, get yourself a mentor. Get yourself someone who you can confide in, someone who you can trust, someone who you look up to, Not just someone who's going to be a yes man or a no man or woman. But can I encourage you, as a church, I think we need to get better at one anothering. We need to be there helping one another. So that's when when sin comes along, and it will, because we are sinful people. Let's deal with it. Cut it off. Confess it. And then move on. So what else will a miracle do? Miracles bring assurance of God's presence and God's ability. We see there Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. Was this a question? Was this uh, Jesus saying it would be a good idea if you weren't afraid right now? Come on, do not be afraid. And the same is true for you today. Jesus says to you this morning, do not be afraid. And as you see miracles, you will be convinced of God's closeness and his presence. And as you see the kingdom of God come, faith will rise. And you know, faith 
is the antidote to fear. So when miracles come, we will not be afraid. We will learn to trust in God. Our faith will rise. When miracles come, new journeys will begin. Now we see, and we've read this morning, a significant moment in Simon's journey. He did not know it at the time, but his journey would end with him being crucified upside down. Now depending on um, what you read, or depend on whether you think this story we've read in, in, uh, in Luke is Simon's first encounter with Jesus, or whether it was his third. Because there are two other stories in the Bible, one in John 1, 35-42, and one in Matthew 4, 18-22. And these are stories of Simon and his friends being called. And as you go through the commentaries, there's a lot of discussion as to whether these accounts are the same story, told three slightly different ways, or whether they're three individual separate accounts. Now I've had a look, and I reckon they're three individual accounts, three different callings, which for me is encouraging, because it says that Simon, who later became Peter, one of the greatest apostles, didn't just jump straight into a life with God, a life following Jesus. Three times, Jesus himself had to call him. So three separate occasions, Jesus calls him to follow him. And it wasn't until we read it here, the third time, that he was finally convinced. And for me, that's encouraging, because I have doubt sometimes. Because maybe the first time God asked me to do something, I don't do it. Maybe not even the second time. But we see here Simon, the third time. Jesus spoke to him, showed him a miracle. And Simon said, okay, I'm convinced. I'm going to come and I'm going to follow you. So this story is part of a process. So whether you are a Christian already and living under the and the miracles moves you on, or whether it's a miracle that reveals God to you for the very first time. That doesn't matter. It looks to me as though it took Simon three goes to realise what his calling was. So whether it's the first time, whether you've, God's been speaking to you about something for a while, I would encourage you to go, because lives will be changed. But what else does miracles do? Well, miracles raise up unexpected people. Peter, or Simon as we see him in the story, was not the kind of guy who would be considered the best leader. Peter's life reminds us that God uses those who are unlikely. Some of you may be feeling that God can't use you right now. But if God can use Peter and his CV to lead thousands to Christ, then he can use you. Because Peter's CV included the following. Peter was, as we've already seen, a fisherman. He was not especially well-educated, well-trained. He was a fisherman, what we might class today as a blue-collar worker. So don't discount yourself because of your upbringing, because of your background. He was uneducated. He didn't have any college degrees. 
He hadn't at that time sat under any famous teachers, none of the prophets. He was just a fisherman. He wasn't even a religious man. He wasn't part of the priesthood. He was a fisherman. And then to top it off, he used to boast. He used to lie. And finally, he denied Jesus. Yet, despite of all that, God used him in a major way. And God is calling each of us, even if we don't feel like we're worthy, to make ripples that will positively impact the world for Christ. Those of you who do not consider yourselves as leaders may feel unlikely. But despite Peter's unlikelihood, God used him in an incredible way. And that means God can use you and me as well. So when I was reading through this, and Lou will testify to the fact, I spent about four or five days trying to write this sermon. Trying to get across what I thought God was saying. Four or five days, and I would sit there, I got, the way I do it is I write just one line. One line, something I feel and then write it, and then I try and expand on it. And I had bits of paper everywhere. I was cutting and pasting on my laptop like you wouldn't believe. It was going everywhere. And I got to a point where I just thought, stuff it. So I did. I left it. I thought, well, I trust God, and if I have to turn up with no notes on a Sunday and believe in God, I'll do that. That'll be easier, because I don't, I don't like this. And then as I was driving back um, from dropping the kids off at school, um, I just got one phrase into my mind, and that was the title I got given. From the mundane to the miraculous, going deeper with God. And then I sat down on Friday morning. It was Friday, wasn't it? I think. It must have been Friday. Maybe it was Thursday. Could have even been Wednesday. That really doesn't matter. But I sat down and I reeled off four pages in about an hour and a half. Because I was listening to God and I had finally got hold of what he wanted to say rather than what I wanted to say. Anyway, what was it that I felt God really talked to us about? Well, I really felt strongly that God wanted to speak to us as a church about putting out into deep water and letting down our nets for a catch. And that can mean many things, can't it? And it might mean different things for you. But I really feel God wants us as a church to put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon was in the shallows. But Jesus wanted him to go deep to see a great catch. I felt God calling Jubilee Church to move from the shallows, to move from our safe place, to move from a place where if things go slightly wrong we can save ourselves, to a place where we're in deep water, where we can let down our nets and where we see a great catch. Now we've got a prophetic word over us as a church that will be a church of 500. And to be a church of 500, we're going to need some serious fish. And the thing is, most of the fish lie in the deep. You'll see little minnows 
in the shallows. But most of the fish are out there in deep water. So as a church, I've just felt God say, you need to go. And for us, it will be prophetic words for people. Specifics. When you start getting specific, you start entering dangerous territory. Because you might get it wrong. But I just felt God encouraging us, come on. How long do you need to stay in the shallows? How long do you need me to teach you? Now is the time to go out into deep water. Now I forgot to write down who said this, but I will read it anyway. And I publicly apologise for not putting his name at the bottom of it. But it says this, Jesus' words to Peter put out into the deep water are significant. They challenged Peter to step beyond the comfortable level of human wisdom and understanding into the realm of extraordinary faith and risk and uncertainty. As a result, when this event was over, he and his companions stepped into a level of relationship with Jesus that they hadn't known existed. That last phrase, they left everything and followed him, means that they left their fishing business, their comfortable, familiar livelihood behind and put out into deep waters of faith. To move from the shallows into deep takes faith. But what do we see Simon say? Simon said, because you say so, I will put out the nets. It was great to hear those prophetic words earlier about God reigning over situations. And a word about feeling God overwhelming, feeling that God's not approachable, but God just encouraging you to spend time with him. Why? To make him feel better? To show that God is God? No. God wants you to spend time with him because it is good for you. The benefit is all yours. God is God. Nothing can change that. The benefit is all yours. So when you come down to be prayed for, the benefit is all yours. And Helen's word about some people living under the kingdom and then there being a group outside of that. Kevin, why don't you um, come and share what you spoke to me earlier? Just down there. Um, I just want to encourage you, if, if either of those words uh, were for you, if what um, Oscar or Helen described, you were thinking, yeah, that's me. I want to encourage you this morning at Matt's invitation. Come down and be prayed for. Something, something really happens when we do something about what God says. You know, imagine what Peter's life would have been like if he hadn't put out into the deep and hadn't seen the blessing. You know, you can sit there and know stuff in theory, but we need to respond. And I want to encourage you for the words that Matt's mentioned, for the things that he talked about this morning. When you're invited out to be prayed for, come out and be prayed for, because in response to your faith, those blessings will flow. That's fine. Thank you. I only did that because Kevin came up to me and said that he really felt that we needed to push that a bit harder. And he said, did it fit in with what you were going to speak on?
I think it does kind of, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I didn't tell him that at the time. I told him to wait and see. <laughs> oh, it's great, isn't it? That was deep water for you, wasn't it, Karen? And God showed up. Okay. We're going to um, worship God again in a sec, and we're going to invite you down to be prayed for. But before, while the band are coming up, um, there's no point talking about prophetic stuff and going out into deep water unless you're willing to do it yourself. So, I felt God talk, just put a couple of things on my heart this morning. One was about raising up leaders. And Paul's disappeared. Is Paul babysitting this morning? Yeah. Okay. I'll have a word with him later. But what I really felt when God was talking about raising up leaders, he put Paul Ashurst's name just on my heart. And I've had that for him before. But then I remembered that Simon Peter took three times, three callings. And for some of you as well, you've had God talk to you a couple of times about things. And then a time is going to come when God speaks and that's it. Just transforms your life. What do you want? You want a plectrum? That's all right. The second thing God gave me, uh, Vanessa, where are you? Hi, Vanessa. Who was at Vanessa's baptism on Sunday? Fantastic. What a fantastic testimony Vanessa gave of God's grace um, and God's coming. Which is why this is so strange. Because what you shared on Sunday was a really powerful testimony of what God has done for you. But the, the phrase I got was God can heal all. And the all was in capital letters, it was underlined. All. Yeah. And that's just what I got. I just felt God wanted to say to you that he can deal with all of it. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, I hope so. Good. That's good for me. Thank you. So we'd have to pray for you after. Is that all right? Shall we stand? The guys, going to lead us in a song. Can I ask you if anything that's been said this morning has resonated with you, come down the front and be prayed for. This is for your benefit this morning. I want to encourage you as Kevin's done just come down the front there'll be people here to pray for you just as we worship God